0: Welcome everyone to the 40th edition, in fact the 41st edition of uh, Vodagulo Conversations. Uh, tonight, like every weekend, we have a very, very, very celebrated and uh, guest with us. Um, so, you know, I would love to welcome Rohit chanamane uh, who is the founder of uh, Darwin Box, uh, here, to, um, here to the Builders Club. Uh, Rohit has had a very illustrious past and even brighter future, as we all, all see. Uh, Rohit uh, was actually a batchmate of mine from I Am Lucknow. Uh, before that, he had worked in Google. He started off his journey in Google. Then uh, from uh, I Am Lucknow, he became he he became one of the associates in, uh, in, in McKinsey. And from McKinsey, I think he went on to start Darwin Box uh, in 2015. And since then, the company has grown in leaps and bounds. Uh, it is helmed as one of the premier HR uh, enterprise uh, HR SaaS companies, and probably uh, uh, Rohit might be able to give us a little yeah. more clarity on how exactly and what exactly they do. But uh, you no, know, box is one of the one of the premier HR tech companies right now, uh, not just in India. But actually, they have now uh, started expanding in different parts of the world, including Southeast Asia as well. Um, Valued at over $200 million now, have marquee investors uh, like Sequoia and Lightspeed Ventures as a part of their board of advisors. Uh, And I don't think there is anybody better to spend your Saturday night with than, uh, than Rohit here. So Rohit, welcome. Welcome to the Builders Club.
1: Thank you so much, So, uh, Always good to have friends do introductions. Mostly uh-huh. half of my <laughs> job is done.
0: No, so. <laughs> no, nah, nah, Rohit. So uh, for all of you who don't know, Rohit was a batchmate of my, not a batchmate, uh, a senior of uh, of mine in Lucknow, uh, and we have always looked up at him uh, in terms of mentorship and advice whenever we have fallen short, and he's always come up with very pointed responses. In fact, uh, in in Evercare, also I remember mm-hmm. uh, touching base with Rohit in giving uh, you know in, in 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 when when we were looking for advice on what to go, what to do uh, so so rohit uh, let me just kick it off uh, here let's just uh, you know get get down to the brass tacks so uh, rohit uh, the way we do it do it here is we would love to know a little bit about your early life uh, you know what exactly were you doing uh, you know how how did the you know where exactly did you study your initial professional life and how exactly did you stumble upon the whole idea of darwin box what instigated you
2: absolutely so uh, so
1: let me uh, go back a slightly chronologically uh, i was born and brought up in hyderabad uh, very fond of the city myself so uh, and uh, did my engineering so post uh, My 12th uh, decided to do engineering, did my engineering from VIT Vellore. So I was a mechanical engineer uh, at Vellore. Once uh, Vellore, my campus placement was in GE, in their India Research uh, Institute of uh, GE General Electric. Uh, But uh, once, uh, so there's this gap that you get, right, in between uh, engineering and before you join uh, the campus placement. So... Uh I happened to, uh, this is an interesting story. I happened to meet a friend who joined Google. And uh, he said, why don't you come over to our office? And uh, when I entered the office, I was like, this is fairyland, right? Because it's just, it had chocolates, it had cool drinks, it had great food, it had colorful offices I've never thought of offices like that, right? So I was like, Are, we have to work and we have to find a way to work here. So I actually went through all their profiles. Uh, there was one profile of a search analyst. Which didn't need like very deep coding, etc. You could you could pass through with like basic Python coding, and you should be very good at math. Was the precondition. So I asked my friend to refer, and uh, then I got into Google. Um, spent about three years there, had a ball of a time. The the great thing about Google, uh, uh, I think uh, I think one definitely which is well uh, talked about is its culture. Uh, I think how uh, inclusive they are as an organization, uh, and they were just like. 18,000 employees when I joined at that time, uh, globally. And uh, they used to have a very nice way to connect, right? They used to have this all hands on Fridays for everybody. uh, Everybody in the world can join. And Larry and Sergey used to answer questions. Uh, My final interview was with Larry Page. So for somebody who's come out of a mechanical engineer in VIT to have an interview with Larry Page, I was like uh, blown away, right? So I think that was good. Uh, the second bit was uh, whatever you did they make you made you feel like you're changing the world which again is extremely inspirational uh, right looking back I don't think I did much there but it just felt so good to feel that you're changing the world. So uh, so that was uh, Google. Uh, then uh, uh, the marketing bug had bit me. So I wanted to do marketing and then I said okay I need to do MBA. And that's where CAT happened and uh, I am Lucknow happened. Interestingly enough, I did my internship in marketing and uh, I didn't know about consulting till
2: I, I got into B school. And uh, then I realized I'm solving for them,
1: uh, right? new problem every every one quarter, etc. kind of a scenario that consulting, yeah, it felt challenging, it felt very exciting. So so that's how, again, end of uh, my uh, B-school stint, um, uh, I I got into McKinsey, uh, spent about three and a half to four years there, uh, uh, started my stint in Africa. So my first project was in Africa, then did something in the US, uh, did a lot of work in India, mostly pharma, uh, healthcare, technology. Towards the end of my stint, uh, I did a lot of work on digital. Uh, So what digital was basically, all these traditional organizations were basically worried about all the new age companies coming and disrupting them. Uh, So uh, what they used to keep asking McKinsey was, how can we stay ahead? What experiments can we run, etc.? And uh, a lot of the work was around digital transformation, both internal processes, which is automating stuff internally and externally customer facing processes. Right so there I got a bit exposed to how these large enterprises think about products what do they buy etc and uh, constantly one thing used to hit me uh, very strongly right like so when I was in Google I used to see a lot of uh, great products that I used to use on a regular basis but when when I saw this at our clients even at products that McKinsey used to use etc I just thought the products could be better right uh, and interestingly enough If you think about any organization, right, there's three fundamental systems of record, right? One is your finance system of record, which is your accounting software. The second is the system of record of people, which is HRMS. And the third is system of record of your customers, which Mm. is a CRM, right? Most organizations have all three systems. Most large organizations have all three systems. Mm. And interestingly, HR was that one system which everybody in the org uses. From Mm. the CEO to the last intern who's joined the organization uses it. It just felt extremely powerful that a system like this, which is in the hands of everybody in your organization, uh, was not utilized properly. And if we could bring that to the fore, the power of that system, Mm. we thought we could do wonders. Uh, So that was the seed of the thought. Uh, uh, Started Darwin Box with two of my friends. Actually, uh, only one friend and the other who became a friend. Uh, so, Jayant was a childhood friend of mine. Uh, he was also from I Am Lucknow 2010 batch. Mm. He was an investment banker at EY. Uh, mm. So, he was in that, I finished five years in investment banking. I want to take a year break, travel the world, etc. Mm. But when he got, uh, uh, when I shared this idea with him, he got very excited. He went very deep, started researching more. And then both of us figured that we don't know HR enough. And uh, Jayant's colleague and friend was Chaitanya uh, mm. at EY, who was a HR consultant. So he was brought on board. So I think in terms of the root root of uh, the story behind Darwin Box is basically this, that three of us felt it could be better, uh, right? And, and as typical consultants and bankers, we went around asking people, right? Mm. The good thing was all three of us were enterprise-facing roles. So we understood how enterprises work. Mm. So we went to HR heads, etc., who uh, used to... Uh, deal with products and work with products and work with different kind of products in the market and we were getting feedback and a lot of things came about in the feedback so that's the that's the backstory uh to give you a quick intro or a quick summary of uh, who we are we are an enterprise hr SaaS product so we take care of the entire spectrum of employee life cycle so we automate recruitment onboarding The whole organogram, org structure, uh, leaves, attendance, payroll, performance management, employee engagement, etc. So the entire spectrum of HR uh, is automated by us. Uh, We are about 650 customers now, um, close to 1.3 million end users. That is about 13 lakh end users between these 650 customers. And uh, uh, and uh, yeah, it's been in business since 2015 end, so we'll be completing about six years now. Uh, and uh, yeah, I think uh, that's a little bit about what Davenbox is today. Present wow. in India, Southeast Asia, Middle East as primary markets. We also sell to the globe remotely.
0: Wow. Okay. Okay. Thanks a lot uh, for for that wonderful uh, brief, uh, Rohit. Uh, probably uh, you know want to get a little bit deeper into the whole HR tech space in itself. So I guess once you <clears throat> in 2015 there was not much happening in the whole HR tech space, right? So <clears throat> there are there were a lot of consulting companies who had products and platforms, and probably a few uh, you know traditional uh, companies who were trying to build build products, but not not something as comprehensive as as you people at that point in time. Mm. Um, what kind of, uh, you know, what was your experience once you started evaluating the whole ecosystem? Uh, what was the process as in, you know, the zero to one journey which you people had uh, right from convincing uh, the first set of clients to start using it? Because when you, the moment you get into a SaaS kind of an ecosystem, people are a little bit afraid of putting in new products because then it becomes a part of the system, right? You, you The switching costs are very high, Right so yeah. what was what was your experiences there in terms of the overall uh, you know once once you started approaching clients and 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 what kind of uh, you know experiences did you have with the with the first few
1: yeah it's an interesting question yeah so uh right, bang on right? this is this is a core system of record and uh, people are very apprehensive to change it uh, yes. right? and uh, in enterprises just like they say you never get fired to buy ibm or et cetera right so the most common products uh, that were out there at that point of time we started for enterprises was SAP, Oracle, and Workday. Mm. So most likely, if you're an enterprise, uh, large enough enterprise in Asia, you are using one of these three products, either on-premise or the cloud version. So this is what was the ecosystem then. Mm. So uh, when you when you uh, ask people why they bought SAP, Oracle, or Workday, mm. the most common answer used to be, Or Right? Mm. Not, I can do this with this, mm. or I can I can actually uh, enhance employee experience. This is great for me as an organizer. None of that, right? They used to say or corner, right? Like, this is the only ones that are there, or these are the best that is there, etc. Right? Like ne- nobody was able to give a reason. Mm. And interestingly, enough, when we asked deeper, nobody was really happy with them as well. Mm. So we were like, hey, there is a problem which can be solved at scale. Uh, there are incumbent players who are. Uh, not delighting the customers in a way when I mean, the customers don't seem to be happy. So is there a play here, right? And and obviously when we when we start out to do this play, uh, right? Like you called out, there's one customer consideration, which means once I take this product, this is like my representative, right? If as a HR it buys Darwin Box and tells all its employees tomorrow say start using Darwin Box for writing performance reviews, do leave et- et cetera. If we screw up, if Darwin box screws up in whatever way, right? Like we closed down the company or there are a lot of bugs, etc. It reflects very poorly on the HR, rate, right? And this becomes a much bigger decision for um, uh, them when we are younger as a company, because I mean, startups mm-hmm. also start, finish, I mean, don't scale and all that happens, right? Mm-hmm. So, so, so that was one consideration. The second consideration was what all of people in the market were saying. I mean, even if you do a good job, SAP Oracle will crush you. They have like 10x, 100x. The workforce and money that you have, I mean, uh, they'll not be able to compete with you. So we have to get our differentiation against the competition very clear. And uh, in terms of the story we tell the customers, very solid. right? So then we actually dug deeper into saying, what are the problems that people are facing with SAP, Oracle, or Workday? Right? One of the fundamental things that came up was... Uh, the adoption in not there so there is mm. there, like people were not even using the system right a lot of people was uh, yeah. people were spending a lot of money as CIOs and chrs were spending a lot of money mm. but people were not using it because either uh, it was very difficult to use they were not trained on it and there were multiple systems and all uh, falana dimkana right so so mm. many reasons why it was not happening right so then we dug deeper into say why is it not being used first uh, then we realized uh, two three things right one a lot of times uh, uh, right, uh, these systems need training. Right, so
0: yeah.
1: when a person joins the organization, you call them into a classroom and say, "This is how you apply for a LA. lab, This is this thing." And most of the time, people are not paying attention in these trainings, which means that unless you are trained, you are not going to remember to use the system, because the systems were not designed to be self-service. Right, so they were not DIY software. Right, like just like you open a Swiggy, nobody teaches you how to use Swiggy to order food. Right, like you just know. And yeah. these activities that I'm talking about are also not complicated, right? Applying for a leave, writing interview feedback, writing performance feedback, referring a friend. These are very straightforward three-step, four-step, five-step activities. So we said, how do you think about this whole experience of doing these activities for employees especially? A more consumer-like experience, right? Like I land onto the product and I can do it. So so that was one thing. And, and under that consumer-like experience, of course, how do I make this completely available on mobile? And and one of the realities that we realize in these markets is people don't have laptops, right? Uh, mm. If you take the Western world, everybody has a laptop. Every worker or every employee has a laptop in most cases. Mm. And mobile is an afterthought, right? Okay, I use mobile as well for software. Mm. But in India, it was very different. Or in Asia, it was very different where the only way a large part of the workforce, right? Yeah. And this could be pharma, field force, this could be manufacturing folks. This could be insurance sales folks, etc. To use the HRMS is mobile, hmm. right? And for them to log into the system, they need to do OTP, etc. Right? Like you can't do the usual email ID and password, etc. Right? Like a lot of these people don't even have email IDs. Right? Hmm. Why would people spend on these, etc. So that was one thing we identified. Right? How do we solve for adoption very deeply, because that's a pain point that is there. The second bit was. Um, In terms of products, especially SAPs, Oracles or a Workday, they come in with a mindset saying, hey, this is best practice Mm. because we work with 10,000 companies. You change your process to fit this uh, best practice to be able to use the product. Which given the context, right? Like, and we obviously had the hindsight bias, right? Like we given the context when products like these no-code software, etc. were coming up. Mm. there was very good ability to build in workflow builders etc and bring in flexibility into these uh, processes mm. or features mm. so once you bring in flexibility a lot more processes can be automated without having to change them
2: mm.
1: so you are you, you have a modular have, approach uh, for somebody who yeah very modular approach and very configurable approach right mm. you are a, a company which has a five step probation confirmation process for whatever reason, right? Like, because that's how that's worked for you. You have a certain process for somebody who absconds, right? You do to, uh, let's say, uh, you give a warning and then you terminate the person. Somebody else has a different policy for leave approval. Now, you can't tell all of these people who've been using this for years together or in some cases decades to change this period one process, one overnight, just because it has to fit into a product. Hmm. You need to give them that flexibility where all those processes can be solved on the platform. Mm. So that was the second thing that we brought in. So, by the way, we brought in a lot of things in terms of a lot of new age features, right? How do we have conversations on WhatsApp? Can I do facial recognition for attendance? So what we were doing is we were picking up the newest technology on the consumer side and seeing how we can use that to solve a problem in the HR side, mm. right? And mm. that's that was the continuous innovation that was happening, mm. Mm. How do we manage data better? How do we manage insights better? How do you do OCR for expense management, right? Uh, You get bills. Mm. Uh, Can I take a picture of the bill? And most of the fields of my expense management get filled out because of that. And OCR is not something new, right? It exists in the consumer world. It Mm. just has to be reimagined for HR. Mm. So that's how we thought about this in terms of different, different ways of bringing innovation into the HR workflows. So broadly, these three areas became our differentiation in the market. Mm. And then, obviously, right, uh, almost Jola ke types, we went to each and every customer mm. saying, hey, we are building it like this,
2: mm. right?
1: This is the screens in some cases. This is the first module that we built, mm. uh, right? And this is how it will be differentiated, etc. Mm. Of course, it took us some time. Obviously, we used our networks mm. for people to take a bet on us for the first few customers. Mm. Then we got investments, which gave a little more trust, Mm. Then we started competing and winning against SAP Oracle. Then we started replacing them. So slowly, that trust for enterprises built up. Mm. So especially in enterprise size, and when you're doing businesses with enterprises, there is very strong compounding effect of being in the market and winning continuously. Mm. Because that trust gets built once it gets built, right? For example, in today in India, right? Any company that is evaluating an HRMS at least invites us. Right. Mm. They might take us or not is a different thing, mm. but at least they'll evaluate us,
2: mm.
1: right? Mm. But if you think about 2018 early also, right, not mm. too far back, we had to knock on the doors. We had to say, please look at us also while you look at SAP Oracle, mm. Mm. right? So it's a drastic change that has happened over the last two, two and a half years. And Dad! I mean, not that we've done things very differently. It's more around how uh, we've been consistent and it. Edit- mm.
2: Hmm, hmm,
0: hmm, hmm. interesting interesting no so there are two things here one is of course you know the the takeaway is that you'll have to be persistent and consistent uh second second is um one question which i i basically had was around um once you started reaching out to the customers of course in the b2b space uh, everybody has different requirements right and you can't make changes in the product i mean in the initial days at least that whatever you your solutions were every person would have a different requirement around how they do it and how the you know how their organization does it so from what i understand is uh, you people basically made it modular and you made the whole system itself flexible enough so that it can be tailored so do you have a onboarding team who basically uh, customizes the whole product for the specific client like a salesforce or does it work differently
1: yes yes so so we work with uh, enterprises which are 500 employees plus right mm. like so generally that's the mode mm. so these are not companies and like our largest customer is 60000 employees right so these mm. are not customers who who buy online and do it themselves right so mm. fundamentally as a as a customer itself mm. they are used to companies coming and configuring things for them Mm. right and second like you called out because we made this configurable Mm. and we made everything front end but when you first sign up a customer they don't know your product deeply Mm. as time happens they can do this go and do these settings themselves Mm. and the process changes they can go and make a tweak in the product right themselves Mm. but initially we need to both help them set up their processes on darwin box and train them to do it themselves as well Mm. so we have a good onboarding process which is on an average 3 months so it's not like a very quick switch on and you're ready right so it does take about 3 months to uh, get a client mm-hmm. once uh, they buy, buy darwin box live mm-hmm. sometimes it's earlier but average is 3 months
0: okay okay so um, rohit one last question and then we'll open up uh, to the audience so guys if you have any questions you can just put it down in the show's chat uh you know and we'll pick pick you guys uh, in for your questions so you can start typing your questions there or else you know we'll just ask you uh you know in case anybody has a question you can directly unmute and ask your question so keep your questions ready um so uh one last question rohit which i had from my side and I, I i have a few i'll keep intervening as as we go on is around the whole pandemic so 2020 i guess you know a lot of things changed the whole, uh, you know, uh, the whole corporate ecosystem was in a, you know, in a in a kind of a whirlwind. So, how mm-hmm. exactly did you, you know, what was your experience during the pandemic? How was the whole HR tech ecosystem hit? Um, and and what did you see start- uh, cup corporates, basically doing at that point on, in time? Were there any innovations, or was there a, were there any features which? Darwin Box had, uh, had, you know, were able to come up with during this time as well? Or is there a way, you know, Darwin Box tried to help the clients uh, during those times? What was the whole experience like? Yeah. Hmm. So, see, I
1: think, uh, I mean, uh, like
0: like most of
1: us, uh, most of the world, we were clueless when it hit, right? Like we didn't know how this was going to impact, etc. And we took a very, uh, initially took a very pessimistic stance, towards mm. what's going to happen right like we were like okay freeze hiring let's hunker down uh, let's figure out what we can build etc and all of that but we were ready to brace ourselves for let's say um, people losing jobs which means the number of employees using darwin box comes down which is equivalent to our revenue coming down or mm. the inability of some companies to play in the short in the short run right? in the long run everybody will uh, recover and do this but So that's the mindset we were with. But what we knew was, we were like, if we do right by our customers at this time, uh, right? uh, Mm. uh, I mean, we'll build trust, which is uh, is like a very long-term trust, right? So what Mm. we did was, we basically went to all customers, right? Like one by one, one by one. We were asking them, what are they going through? How can we help, Mm. right? So... What that helped us is collect and this happened in like two, three days, right? We were like just calling up customers and the interesting part was this was a time when HR was at the forefront.
0: Yeah, exactly. So
1: our customers who are our spokes were very busy. Mm. But still like we were like, hey, how can we help? And like, is there anything that we can do? So what it brought back to us was, hey, we don't know what to do. Can you help us? Mm. Right, uh, uh, figure this out, right? Because you are getting actually hearing from multiple people, mm. right? So what actually advantage we had was we were working with let's say pharma companies who mm. had to function mm. in these times, which means that the future was that the others when they open offices would function like the pharma company, which means there was like a form that they filled out when they enter, right? Mm. There is a visitor management that was very strict, mm. right? So there is a rotation that needs to happen. There was. Virtual ID cards because ID cards should not be touched, right? Mm. The virtual business cards because things should not be touched. Mm. So we started building all of this into the product. Mm. And suddenly we had a nice package of features mm. which can sit on top of and what we, which we don't do in general. What we did is we created this uh, package of product which can sit on top of any other HRMS also. Mm. We said, let's solve, right? Like, okay, you might be using an SAP, you might be using an Oracle, you might be using a Workday, but you can take this Darwin box Evolve package. Which can mm. sit on that and solve for these use cases, mm. right? So, so that was uh, well appreciated in the market, it was very well sold, etc. And as the pandemic, right? It and as uh, some time passed, everybody realized the importance of technology, right? Suddenly, the mm. only way to access their employees, mm. the only way to engage their employees, the only way to get a certain set of things done or tracked mm. was an HRMS. So mm. our existing customers' ka usage went up mm. and a lot of new customers started signing up on our website, getting demos, etc. Mm. So from a point of being like extremely pessimistic, it became the opposite. Mm. Right. So the mm. whole thinking around, I need to think about HR digitally, tech, I mean, processes digitally, etc. Like accelerated as mindsets mm. across sectors uh, in these regions. Mm. So, I mean, uh, NetNet has been a positive tailwind. Uh, some part of it is attributable to our ability to build quickly to hmm. solve for this situation. Hmm.
2: Hmm. Hmm.
0: Hmm. Cool, cool, cool. No, no, it it makes absolute sense here. Yeah. So, uh, because I think uh, during the pandemic, HR was at the as, at the forefront. Everything, uh, <laughs> right from right from you know making sure that the customers, you know, uh, the whole processes and everything, everything changed. Right from the working process yeah. to the way they were doing business to the way people were coming to offices, not coming to offices, people were working from home. How exactly do you attribute that those timelines? Very interesting stuff. So uh, I think uh, we can probably get into the Q&A a bit. Uh, Vatsal, you can go first. And after that, Ahmed, Hemel, you're just, just still writing your questions, but you can go next. Vatsal, you can go.
2: Yeah. Thanks, Rohit. Uh, hi, Rohit. So, uh, as you said uh, earlier, right, that uh, HR SaaS penetration itself has been very low in India, uh, at least when you started off. So, how has, uh, you know, Darwin Box been able to drive this, you know, increasing penetration? And secondly, where does your focus lie? Is it on driving penetration and getting uh, newer people to, you know, try out HR tech tools or so? Or is it shifting users from, you know, legacy tools such as Salesforce and so on? Yeah. So,
1: a uh, very interesting question here. So, what happens, uh, Vatsal, is when I oh. tell about penetration, it is about cloud penetration. So, generally what happens is uh, once you are above that 500 employees size as an organization, you need something, right? Uh, SharePoint pay automation, kar lo, internal system build, internal system right uh sap on-prem wo ERP, may extended module of hr you take whatever it is right so there is a there exists something right what we had to get people to do right uh is get them to move to cloud uh, so the present penetration levels by numbers is less than 20 percent so a large part of the market is actually moving from on-prem to cloud and on-prem to cloud is happening because People are more informed now. Even SAP, Oracle work. They want to move everybody to cloud. So the whole market ecosystem is to move from on-prem to cloud, uh, irrespective of whether we push them or we are also contributing to that push between moving them from on-prem to cloud. But more or less, the whole market is moving because if you take like a developed market like the US or Europe, like it is seventy percent cloud penetration. Uh, we are at like a twenty percent cloud penetration. So that so that is happening. Um, what we were doing to enable this was, uh, I think one of the good things we've done, like initially we were very purist, right? We were like, Oh, you have to take the full suite of products of Darwin box. Then you will see the value of it, et cetera. We broke down modules. We said, I start with something small. It's fine. Right. Experience it. If you like it, why don't you buy more? Right. You buy something, right? You buy only performance management on Darwin box. Suddenly you'll realize that I can do performance reviews on mobile phone. Right. Can I do more? Right? Then you can buy other stuff. So I think the biggest contribution of ours, uh, right, which uh, is not like huge, but what we've done so far is in terms of how we broke up product and made pricing simpler for them to just uh, try out one module before they buy the full suite. right? So once you do try out one module, etc., it's not a big outflow for the organization. Uh, and their resistance or friction for a product like core or payroll, et cetera, are higher because they're more worried about employee data, employee salary, et cetera. But when it comes to, uh, let's say, performance reviews, employee engagement, they're a little more flexible. So there is lesser friction. So how you price that and how do you enable this frictionless experimenting with something actually uh, helped in that journey? I
2: hope I answered the question. Yes, yes, no way. And uh, that b- brings me to my follow-up question. So, is is this been a you know trend with Indian SaaS adoption as well? Uh, that you know modularizing uh, complex tools has been able to you know drive uh, sort of penetration, increase penetration as well as to uh, allowed Indians to uh, start purchasing SaaS tools, which did not happen historically, or at least I felt so that we have not. We usually have uh, you know fallen back from spending on. On task tools And perhaps this modularization is something that has been driving that for the past three, four years or so. See, I think uh,
1: uh, there is the other, that's, that's true, Vatal. There is another um, uh, thing as a trend that happens, right? So if you take the US market as well, or any market for that matter, first consumer technology takes off. Then that consumer technology inspires enterprise technology. So for example, The Amazons of the world took off and then the Salesforce workdays of the world took off, right? Similarly, for us also, we'll have to go through the journey of the Ola's and Flipkart of the world taking off and then the enterprise SaaS taking off. The second bit is when you look at SaaS penetration or cloud cloud product penetration, it first starts with enterprises large enterprises are the first ones to adopt something that is now changing with this premium saas products like a kata book etc but uh, right uh, generally large enterprises take it first and large enterprises take the horizontals first right which is the fundamental systems of record hr finance customer sales enablement all of those right like which cut across sectors then they get into vertical software Right, like now the U.S. is full of vertical software. All right, um, the Asian market will get to it in ten years. Right now we are in that horizontal wala phase. After we'll get into a slightly more vertical wala phase. So there is a market condition truth to this. And the second, uh, like you said, I think modularizing, breaking it up, getting people to touch more, experiment more, just enables them to buy more. They become open. What's the It got
2: it.
0: Thank you, Rohit. Thanks, thanks for the question. Hamil, hey, you can go next. Hamil, hey, are you there? FK, okay. okay, yeah.
3: Well, I guess you're on
2: mute,
0: I guess. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> I was saying, Hamil, hey, you can go next. Sorry.
3: Um, hey, Rohit. Um, So before I ask you my question, I actually wanted to let you know that I am one of the end user of Darwin Box and it's like a really cool product because it's like really easy to use and it's really smooth uh, from the end user perspective.
1: Thanks for validating my first 35 minutes. Otherwise, I would be like very embarrassed.
3: If you say <laughs> <time>. <laughs> uh, yeah, so my question was uh, mm-hmm. that you initially mentioned, right, that you worked a lot on your storyline and what you wanted to convey through your product. So what were the key aspects that uh, you tried to include in your story and how you connected the dots when you were launching Darwin Box? Yeah,
1: so I think the one of the first things... Um, that uh, and when we thought about the story also one of the first thing was we said why okay we don't have to call this HRMS right like we do I mean HRMS is the category I understand it's easier to explain to the world but we said we are building this technology for weak people right and that you can call it HR tech work tech and we started calling it slightly more work tech or people tech as language right and the way we uh, brought in the whole adoption mindset first is we said we are building a software which all your employees will use. With that software, you can actually apply for leave, or you can do uh, performance reviews, or you can see your place slips, etc. Now, when we changed that narrative, it didn't like it took away the whole conversation from being, array, how good are you functionally?" Which means uh, how well do you understand HR concepts to saying, what are you solving for? And we said we are solving for adoption. We are solving for adoption is equal to data. Data is equal to analysis, data is equal to analytics, analytics is equal to insights, insights is equal to decision making. So so the whole narrative we changed to say, this is, we are trying to solve for people's experience or your employees experience to get certain things done, right? While doing certain things which are mundane or which are repetitive in nature, and we'll enable them both in terms of doing what they need to and doing more because they can see the goals of the CEO and like different, different use cases. So that I think was very helpful where we broke clutter a bit. Instead of saying, we are also HRMS and as soon as you say HRMS, right, they'll be like, you do first, do you have these seven modules? In this first module, do you have these 20 features? In the second module, you have these 50 features, right? So we tried to break that clutter with the narrative slightly to say, hey, we are a work tech product or a people tech product which solves for adoption and experience of employees. So I think that's where uh, that started. Of course, right? Like there are different aspects that go into the story after that in terms of, uh, right, like there are the people who called us uh, the iPhone of uh, HRMSs. And like, we use that very well, leveraging on that. Like we did different, different things to, uh, uh call out this whole adoption, ease of use as a narrative, uh, right? So I think those things help. Uh, and especially the apprehension that most companies or HR heads have is if people don't like this system, right, it is actually a reflection or it will reflect poorly on it, right? So we used to actually assuage that fear saying Array, this is built for people to love it. Mm so that that disconnection goes away
3: immediately uh, hey, wow. yeah yeah that is like uh, perfect what I, <laughs> what i was trying to understand i got the whole point
0: cool. thank you thanks a lot himal great uh, question though <laughs> uh, cool Ahmed, you can go next <clears throat> Hey, I can't hear you Is that me Ahmed, yeah yeah even I can't hear you Ahmed, we can't hear you I'll just read out your question I think there's some issue with your discord so uh, Ahmed is basically probably working on his startup in healthcare tech he's basically asking how did you people do the market research and in case I'm building something in the healthcare tech space how do you do the market research for that
1: See, I think, I think uh, um, the first thing is always primary, right? Secondary will happen. Uh, but primary is who is the buyer? Who are your ecosystem players? Do they think there is value? And one of the most important things in doing this research is actually going with a completely open mind, right? Like uh, one of the things that I learned... Uh, from one of the consultants we use uh, in terms of new market entry and positioning, they never tell the proposition in the first call. They only ask about problems. Mm. They they go deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper, but they never pitch the proposition in this whole conversation. So so basically, they're never driving the conversation. They just open and asking, picking up words, picking up conversations, etc. And that is very important because... That is where you understand whether this is a real problem or not. Because if you tell them, hey, I'm going to build this, and I've seen this happen, right? Like if I go with an answer and say, Hey, do you do you think this is a good answer? They'll say yes.
2: Hmm. Very rarely
1: I've seen people say no to that question. Hmm. Right? But if if the answer went when that person really says, All right, this is a big pain for me, right? Without hmm. you prompting. Hmm right? And then the their openness to listen to the answer and get deeply involved with you. Because if, if they're going through pain, they'll want a solution. Mm. Right? Like any solution, they'll be open to hear. But unless they articulate that pain, you should not tell them this is a pain for you.
2: Mm.
1: Or if you have to tell them that, then it is a longer sale process, it's a category creation, etc. But if, if you're able to understand that pain, right? And, and Sometimes the pain just could be price. Sometimes the pain could be flexibility. Sometimes the pain could be ease. Sometimes the pain could be speed. Whatever is that problem. Right? Like, it should not be as this thing saying, and I have heard this as well, right? Uh, oh, uh, uh, I use a product and all. Design is not great, etc. And it doesn't mean I, I stop that call and say design is a big problem. But, I think the what you need to understand is, right, like, can you go deeper and understand if design is something that they are, that they care about at all mm. if this person doesn't care enough for design and it is like fourth criteria for selection of a product you build a better design product it will not move in the market mm.
2: Mm.
0: so how, how right. do you so, so I, uh, yeah. no, no so how, how do you then identify how do you do that then, then identify how do you how do you take those inferences from these interviews
1: See, I think, I think, see, like, and like, it's okay to uh, keep open ended conversations. And obviously, you'll not get the audience enough for these. And that's where you need to be smart about these. But the inferences need to, like, you need to have a script which says, I will first test that highest level hypothesis, right? Do you use a system or not, right? Second, level, right? Uh, what are the problems that exist, right? Are these problems important for you, right? If I, like, uh, what happens if you don't solve this problem, right? And uh, uh, these are kind of questions which you have to script out for yourself for your listening, right? If the uh, if all these three are not a check, right? Is this a problem? How, how is this problem impacting you? Is it not? I mean, and they're able to articulate how the problem is impacting them very clearly. And if what happens if this problem is not solved, right? Then, and there is a downhill from there for them in whatever their context is. Right. It is very difficult to sell, right? Like I'm just saying still products exist, right? Uh, mm. There are products which came up much after, I mean, you can obviously do things better and you compete and just, you're very good at competing and winning, which means mm. you're like, I mean, you're a hardcore ambush marketer and that's your strength, right? You, might, you build an equal product, but you ambush the market, mm. uh, right? That is a different skill. But if you really are doing something in, it, in like 80, 70, 80% of the cases, we don't start with the deep pockets, which mm. means we are trying to solve a problem which has pull in the market. Mm. So, for example, if I am a health tech piece as well, whoever is the stakeholders, and this, this could be for partners, this could be for buyers, etc. Uh, right. Is this something that without this, uh, there is a problem that is there? Mm. All right, and which is articulatable etc should be explored before um, pitching the product and saying is this something you'll buy if it is sold to you right? and it's a very common thing we tend to when we do research get to that very quickly
2: mm. mm-hmm. and then
1: there right. are obviously secondary sources right? you should look at all the global markets on how Uh, people are solving for this is this something that because uh, for most situations unless the problem is very uniquely indian there will be another uh, market which is slightly ahead uh, or slightly has seen the problem to a certain extent right so you should use that and leverage that
0: Mm -hmm. emma does that answer your question you can't say yes or no. You can just type down yes, or if you have a follow-up question, you can type it down. We'll come back to you. Okay. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Rohit, for, for that answer. Um, we'll just go to Abhijit. Abhijit. Hey, Rohit, uh, I think that's yeah, one of the
3: most uh, interesting talks that I've been listening to here. So my question is. Uh, uh, from my understanding, generally SaaS companies go for either subscription model or usage-based model for the pricing strategy. So could you talk a bit more about uh, the payment cycles that SaaS industry goes through? And uh, like you yourself had mentioned, right, the onboarding process of explaining your product to your uh, consumer takes up a long time, uh, probably two to three months to just get them a hold of it. So could uh, you talk a bit about how do you get this MRR uh, rate high? Uh, mm. because the
1: onboarding process is so, uh, certain- mm. got it. Got it. So onboarding process, see, I think like again for uh, large uh, products, uh, uh, in this case, you have to wait, yeah. Like because these are coming in higher uh, number, uh, the revenue is coming in higher numbers. You'll have to wait, right? So uh, just like an SME product, you can sell and use very quickly. In a, a large enterprise product, you the revenue comes lumpily, right? So when you get it, you get a lot of it, mm. right? You should not be in a situation where you're getting very little money and you have to wait a lot for it. So, so that I think is one fundamental reality of the enterprise product, right? It's it's lumpy, it comes late, uh, which is which is one part. So you need to have the motion that is. The second is, uh, it in terms of pricing structures itself, there are. In certain situations there are pricing structures that are defined by your competitors also right like because again hrms is a very established category the whole per employee per month mode etc is very established right and you can't be too off from the established norm right so for example if you if you want to charge by module by person per month uh, and it is a prepaid model right you can uh, you you can i mean you don't you can't change it too much right you can't say oh, only usage based etc the second part of it is where you are being disruptive with pricing right where you can actually say the whole market is charging prepaid i will charge postpaid of course your your economics should allow for it you should have enough funding etc to think about it and and for you you think that is a differentiation right oh all these hrms in the market are charging prepaid I'll go and say it is postpaid, right? You only pay when you're happy or something like that, right? Like, or you pay based on number of people who log in, not the number of people in the organization. So you you can you can try to be disruptive on that front or like, for example, number of offers made on the system, number of performance reviews written on the system. So you can think about all of those just to disrupt the market. But if you just think about how do you uh, increase MRR, it is, it is purely a function of, Two, three things, right? One, sell more to the same customer, uh, and uh, second, uh, right, be so differentiated that you can charge a very high premium uh, on the PPM front. So those are your two broader ways to differentiate. But uh, uh, right, like, but generally in some of these categories which are established, it is defined already in terms of the. I mean, you will not be too off from what the market. Uh, is defined in terms of pricing strategy or a collection strategy. But yeah, uh, enterprise as SaaS, mein, uh, predictability and speed uh, of collections is slower or lower. Right? It is slightly lumpy. Of course, once you grow to a certain size, then automatically the motion takes care. Right? So, say, first will be paying now, Apka Ab- will be paying six months later. So, it evens out because you, year round you're adding customers. But uh, on the other front, like, SME side, you can you can do realizations much faster. Hmm. Got, it, got it,
3: Thank you so much for
0: answering that. Thanks. Thanks, Abhijit, for that question. Mohammad Anis, you can go next. Anis Hi. is still around? No, Anis. Uh, Anis, wait, I'll just unmute you. Yeah, Anis, you can go. Yeah.
3: Yeah, okay. I just wanted to know, uh, how did you do
4: the problem analysis?
0: Okay, very very concise question.
1: <laughs> In terms of... Like, what was the process or... Uh, uh, yeah, yeah,
3: what was the process?
1: Like, See, I think, through. yeah. Yeah, so I think for us, uh, when you think about, again, HRMS, right, uh, it's it's a very established category. So it's not something that I'm going to bring new to the market, right? It's not something where I'm saying uh, I am creating a category, right? So it was like the problem statement was, how can I be like 10x better than the existing products, right? So that's the fundamental problem statement that is there. Now, 10x better doesn't just mean, right, I'll, I'll do 10 things and they're better. It is more around saying, how do I do these 10 things better, which the customer cares about, right? Uh, so, um, one of the things, and I, I spoke a lot about adoption in the first half of, our, uh, there was also another question about it, right? But we were very worried when we started off that, is adoption so important for the customer? Right? So a lot of work on the narrative was explaining why adoption is important for them to get their end outcomes. Right? It was not something that customers articulated, right? Like if you see an RFP for HRMS today, it'll, it'll be oh, are these set of features that exist? Right? You have to check off saying oh, 80% exists, 70% exists, 90% exist. Right? But to say to customers and today we say RFP should say Minimum adoption levels should be guaranteed, right? And we are very confident that we're we can do that. And that where the narrative changes, right? So oh, then they'll the the question is around this is important and these guys are doing it 10x better than the other players. So and again, I probably I went on a tangent for the question. So the process for us is more in terms of saying, what are the list of things, and this is for an established category, right? You can't use the same process for uh, um, for a category creation, but in an established category, you, you need to understand what are the most important things, what are the buying decision journey, right? And And this doesn't change too much from, let's say, if you're doing consumer market research, right? Why are people buying soaps? Or I mean, what do they feel, right? Like, and uh, it was interesting in peace uh, school. I don't know. So uh, mm. hell, if you took uh, uh, dashes, dashes. Yes, course. yes, so absolutely. He, best, best course. Uh, of he, he
2: marketing. Uh,
1: yeah, yeah, and he made us do. Uh, we 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 took we did a project on cigarettes, mm. and uh, the, we were we were trying to understand this nicotine gums and the things that we were trying to understand is why do people uh smoke cigarette it started from there right like when we thought about how do we sell nicotine chewing gums we thought about how do people why do people right there are people who just do it to show off there are people who get a high out of it there are people who uh feel in control of their lives when they smoke right like and there are different things that come out now can nicotine solve uh, nicotex or nicorex which was the nicotine chewing gum can it solve for all of this maybe not right uh, uh, holding a cigarette might be, uh, might be much more stylish than holding a chewing gum, right? And I'm going into a random topic to explain the point, but uh, how do you identify things the customer cares about? And what can you build, right? And some of this is tested with the customer, et cetera. What can you build that is 10x better mm-hmm. on those elements, right? In some areas, you will not be able to build, right? Like, for example, security as a feature, We'll, at least in your early days you can only be hygiene you can make sure you have the best security but will people take a decision because just because you have the best security maybe not all right so those that's the that's the process that we went with. I don't have a very structured answer to it, but broadly I hope I answered the questions cool. uh, uh, did you validate before, uh, going for the products
3: did you validate it with the stakeholders?
1: Yes, yes, absolutely. So everything and like, one of the uh, biggest advice I give and uh, things that I got, we got lucky on is we had access, right? So um, uh, because we were in consulting or banking, etc, we had access to customers. So everything that used to happen, we should try and be shameless and ask people for feedback. Right. If you write a line, if you write a copy line, if you make a website, if you make a feature, if you make a product, everything we are today also we ask our customers. We say, "Hey, we thought of this cool, innovative thing. What do you think?" Right. So uh, that's something that you should be always out in the market. Mm. Right. And that's the like biggest learning for us. That's the reason for our speed as well. Right. And I and we didn't do it uh, right like in a very planned way. But for us, that was the only way we knew. Because established category, hai, if you have to really disrupt, we have to completely build, uh, right? Like just uh, like building in a community, you have to completely build with the customer rather than do it ourselves and say we are innovative. So do a lot with the customer was what we were doing.
2: Mm.
0: Thanks. Anis, does that answer your question? We'll yes, just have to... We'll just have to move a little bit fast. We'll just take one more question. Piyush, you can go. Yeah. Am I
4: audible? Yes, you are. Yeah. Okay. So recently, I have been involved in hiring process in my company. I uh, so I got to interview a lot of people who had put in a lot of fake stuff just to talk, and then we dig deeper. They are not able to understand. what they are uh, they have written so authenticity of the resumes is very doubtful in the hiring process uh what is your uh, take on that and uh, uh how can we as a, as a uh, like recruiters can take it and then the follow-up question will be a follow-up question is that nft wh- what do you what do you think uh, about nft based resumes
1: so I think uh, the, the uh, very interesting second part, uh, okay. honestly, to answer that quickly, it's a very interesting thought. I don't know enough to say uh, whether it'll be great or not great, but uh, it's a very interesting thought because it is not about the resume. Uh, so NFTs or blockchains, biggest mm-hmm. uh, use case in HR will be background verification. Hmm. Okay. Right. Uh, at least the visible, uh, in in the mm. visible sense, uh, right? The nearest, uh-huh. nearest uh, in terms of research that's happening, nearest future is on background verification because you're basically validating. <laughs> Today you have agencies doing it. Tomorrow you're, you're you're completely putting that on the chain, right? Like
2: uh, yes. Yeah.
1: So so I think that that definitely. I am guessing you are saying resume but in your mind also it is that background verification right because you are talking about yes, authenticity yes. etc
4: right yes yes the other thing yes. i think
1: i think just to like and a short term fix to this is always a simple assessment yeah like there are always ways to run quick assessments online form questions mm-hmm. etc which mm-hmm. help you filter right and right. obviously in products like darwin box or others right even if it is a subjective question you can ask the system to look for certain signals to automatically filter out. Right. Okay. Like if you, if, if you're saying, um, there's a question about something and the answer will have a certain set of words at least, right. Uh, unless mm-hmm. there is more than 60, 70% match, you can say completely, uh, automatically filter out. So uh, what you are trying to do, and this is again, a short term fix is at least filtering out. See the the real fakes or the deep fakes or whatever will only come through when you do the interview, right? So it's not a hundred yeah. percent solution, but it filters ah. out some for you, so that you're more efficient about it.
2: Mm-hmm. Okay.
4: Understood. Understood. And uh, the NFT based resumes like. Uh, uh, how 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 uh, have you seen any of uh, the tech around this uh, being? Not
1: off? yet, yeah. Not yet. I don't know enough honestly. Uh but uh, uh I've done some reading on background verification but I don't know enough to go. It's an interesting
2: idea. Maybe we should explore it more. Cool, cool. That's
4: it from my side. Thanks thanks a lot.
2: Speaking on
0: mute. Uh, so the
4: that actually brings us to the
0: end of today's water cooler conversation. I have one last question, and I'll we'll probably close with that. Uh, Rohit, what is uh, how do you see the future of Darwin Box? Now that you know you've spent like five years in, and I'm sure that you know there are many many more years to be added uh, to to the life cycle of uh, Darwin Box. The product has evolved with time uh where do you mm-hmm. what do you see the evolution of the space and the product now uh
2: that you have i what...
1: think i, I think the, the the biggest part for us um is twofold right as as you said one is product and uh staying ahead on product uh is not easy right like uh, and um, i i think we're just scratching the surface in terms of how much change the world will go through both in terms of covid in terms of Web 3.0 and a lot of things that are right, really disruptive that we are going through, right? So staying ahead of that, staying deep in our product and staying ahead of the newer technologies and adopting them itself is a big thing. So, so we're looking at how do we stay relevant? How do we stay better than any of present or future competition? Uh, how do we be broader in terms of the product? Today we do uh, like a good part of HR, but can we do more in terms of work tech? uh in terms of the product and the other part of it is going global, right? I think today we are, are still our presence is mostly in Asia. Uh and mostly we're looking at the market just being twenty percent penetrated. Just imagine when all the eighty percent comes onto cloud, right? Like just the opportunity is immense.
3: Mm.
1: Uh right. So I think uh just expanding, dominating markets like Asia and then expanding into other geographies is something that we are looking at and we are very excited about to do in the future.
0: Very nice. Thanks a lot, Rohit, for that. I think all the best with uh, with the journey of Darwin Box. Uh, how was your experience of this overall session, Rohit? How do you like the questions and the conversation? Oh,
1: it was great, yeah. Thank you so much uh, for having me. Uh, it, uh, it's always fun to have these conversations. I also get to learn uh, when I think about my answers and reflect upon what we've gone through. Good.
0: Thanks a lot, Rohit, for doing this on a Saturday night. Uh, That actually brings us to the close of today's Water Cooler Conversation.